0: Welcome to Monday Morning Murder in the News with Alyssa Carroll. Good morning, heathens, and happy Murder in the News Monday. I'm back, guys. So we are gathered here today because the rest of the regular news is just hot, scary garbage. And you know, you'd rather be hearing me and my bullshit anyway, right? So I collect news articles along with articles sent to me by you, my beloveds and others. So thank you for submitting. Shout out to Pete and Teresa in Frederickson, Washington. Thank you so much for listening. So unlike my regular podcast that I write out in its entirety before I record, this is unscripted. And I don't read the articles past the headlines, so you and I can react together. So let's go. So our first article comes from CBSNews.com, and the title reads, Chicago Area Landlord Accused of Killing Palestinian American Boy 6, Stabbing Woman Because They Were Muslim. So a 71-year-old landlord has been charged with murder after authorities say he stabbed and killed a six-year-old Palestinian-American boy and seriously wounded his mother because they are Muslim and due to the ongoing war between Israel and Hamas. Oh, he looks like a winner, guys. Hoo-wee. Joseph Zuba? has been charged with one count each of first-degree murder, attempted murder, and aggravated battery, and two counts of a hate crime. According to the Will County Sheriff's Office, around 1138 a.m., a woman called 911 from a home near the intersection of South Lincoln Highway and Lily Cash Road in southwest suburban Plainfield Township. The victim, 32, said her landlord was attacking her with a knife as she ran into the bathroom to call 911. So officials say when deputies arrived on the scene, they found the man sitting outside on the ground near the driveway of the home with a laceration to his forehead. I'm seeing his like mugshot or whatever. I don't see a laceration. He's got like a Messed up upper lip, but nothing on his forehead that I can see. Inside, deputies found two victims, 32-year-old Hanan Shaheen and her six-year-old son, Wadia. Police initially said that the boy was eight years old, but later said that initial information was incorrect. He had been stabbed 26 times, and his mother had been stabbed more than a dozen times. Shaheen was supported no, she was transported to a hospital in serious condition, and the boy was transported in critical condition, but he was later pronounced dead. The landlord was treated and released from the hospital and transported to the Will County Sheriff's Office Public Safety Complex for questioning. Sheriff's police said he did not talk to detectives, but investigators were able to determine he targeted the victims because they are Muslim due to the ongoing war between Israel and Hamas. Neighbors said it's normally a very quiet area, although they were a bit concerned at times about signs in front of the house. Quote, he always had signs around times of elections and that were pretty angry about what was going on politically and locally here. So I'm hoping that both of them survive, Jim Stein said. That's the end of the article. Stabbing a six-year-old little boy 26 fucking times. Are you kidding me? Because the family is Muslim? You know, I am not religious. I'm surrounded by religion where I live in the southern middle. But never in a million years would it, I don't know. I just don't, I don't understand it. Live and let live, guys. Come on insanity. So our next article is from October, but I wanted to share this one. I had it saved before I took my little break, but I did want to share it. It comes from the New York Post. The title reads, 13-year-old honor student accused of fatally stabbing mom sleeping next to baby sister. A 13-year-old honor roll student from Florida, guys, has been arrested for allegedly stabbing his mother to death as she slept next to her newborn daughter, authorities said. Derek Rosa has been charged as a minor in the killing of his mom, 39-year-old Irina Garcia, but police in Hylia publicly identified him because he faces a felony count of second-degree murder. The shocking incident began unfolding around 1130 p.m. Thursday when Rosa called 911 to report that he had, quote, just murdered his mother, said Lieutenant Eddie Rodriguez, a spokesman for the Hylia Police Department. Officers raced to the family's apartment on West 79th Street and found Garcia dead in her bedroom just inches away from a crib containing her 14-day-old daughter, 14, two weeks old, who was unharmed, police said, according to reporting by the station WSVN. Thank God he didn't touch the baby. Authorities said they believe Rosa waited until his mother fell asleep before knifing her multiple times in the neck. There's a picture of him here, and he just looks like a, a, you know, a handsome young man, like just a normal handsome young man. Rosa was a very polite and apologetic in his interactions with the emergency dispatcher and the responding officers and, quote, not what you'd think or expect walking into that home or seeing that crime scene, end quote, Rodriguez said. The 13-year-old murder suspect was described as a straight-A honor student enrolled in the 8th grade at i Charter Middle High School. Rosa, his infant half-sister, and their mother were the only three people at the apartment Thursday. The teen's stepfather, a truck driver, was away in Georgia at the time. Oh, bless... There's a picture of her, like, hugely pregnant, and her son that murdered her and her husband are both kind of holding her belly. It's super cute. So Rosa had no known history of mental health issues and was said to have been getting along well with his stepfather. There was no record of police responding to the family's apartment before Thursday, officials said. Yeah, here's a close-up of the mom's face. She's gorgeous. Neighbor Lazaro Rodriguez told the station Local 10 in Spanish. He said that Rosa was, quote, always with his mom and seemed calm. Quote, he would help her carry packages or shopping bags. I never saw anything abnormal with him. I don't know what could have happened. End quote. A photo that has been shown by local news outlets depicted Rosa and his stepfather dressing in matching light pink polo shirts And khakis lovingly cradling Garcia's baby bump during an idyllic maternity photo shoot before the birth of her daughter. That's the picture I was talking about. Investigators have yet to determine a motive for the heinous matricide. Rodriguez said the teen, quote, did not provide any information as to why he did what he did, end quote. It's something we're all asking ourselves now. the police spokesman added. So following his surrender to the police, Rosa was taken to a juvenile detention center and later to a hospital after he allegedly threatened to harm himself. The 13-year-old made his initial court appearance Friday. That's the end of the news article. I would like to know what was go- what happened? What made him snap? What made him do that? Was that building? I would like to know more. Seriously. So now our next article comes from NBCnews.com, and the title reads, 30-Year Mystery Solved, Missing Man's Remains Among Those Found on Suspected Serial Killer's Estate. So Alan Livingston, 27, was identified from human remains found on Fox Hollow Farm in Indiana, giving his family closure after decades of searching. Oh, I think I covered this guy. I'm pretty sure I did. Alan Livingston's family searched for answers for more than 30 years after Livingston, then 27, disappeared in 1993. His mother always had a hunch that he had been murdered by suspected Indiana serial killer Herbert Baumeister. I have covered him, actually. This week, his family finally got closure. Livingston's DNA was matched to a sample from remains found on Baumeister's estate at Fox Hollow Farm, the Hamilton County Coroner's Office said. So eight bodies were identified on the property when the case was opened in 96, but DNA technology was not advanced enough to identify the other remains at that time. Quote, hearing about Allen was a little roller coaster of feelings, said Eric Pranger. Livingston's cousin, who requested that the case be reopened last year. He said, we're happy because we got closure and we are able to identify him, but sad because we had to relive it a bit, end quote. And that is kind of side note, sidebar here. That is kind of an interesting situation in that these families grieve and whether they know or they don't know, so much time goes by that you never heal, right? But there's, but you get where you can Maybe it's just not on your mind twenty four seven and then this all comes up again and and they're not coming back to you alive, right, so that's got to hurt anyway. Investigators believe Baumeister frequented gay bars to lure men to his home and kill them. He has been linked to the disappearance of at least sixteen men since nineteen eighty. He killed himself at the age of 49 in July of ninety-six before investigators had a chance to question him, leaving families like Livingston's with no answers. Pranger said Livingston's mother lost hope of finding her son over the years because every time she would call to check on his case, there was no new information. He said Sharon Livingston had always had a gut feeling that her son was at Fox Hollow Farms, a feeling Pranger called a mother's intuition. When the case was reopened, she submitted a DNA sample to the coroner's office. Last year, she told NBC affiliate WTHR of Indianapolis that the search for her son had become more urgent for her after she was diagnosed with cancer. Quote, I do not have my son's remains and until I have that, it will be unfinished for me and I hope I get them before I pass away, Sharon told WTHR last November. Oh bless. She finally has those remains. Hamilton County Coroner Jeff Jellison called her Monday to let her know her son had been identified. He said a leg bone from Allen Livingston was among 44 sets of remains in the first batch his team submitted for DNA testing. Quote, what are the odds that our first identification from 10,000 pieces of bone would be to that family that made the initial call, Jellison said. Investigators still do not know how many people will be identified. Krista Latham, a University of Indianapolis forensic anthropologist, helped determine which sets of remains had the best chance of producing a DNA profile to submit to the state police lab. When the remains were recovered in '96, DNA technology was expensive and far more rudimentary. It required a large volume of skeletal material, and tests were not as individualizing as they are today, Latham said. Her lab has been involved with the case since the initial excavation. Today's DNA technology, which uses nuclear rather than mitochondrial DNA, is much more sensitive, and it can use very small samples of skeletal remains to generate a very individualized profile. Quote, It's that increased sensitivity in the DNA technology that's really allowed for us to investigate skeletal material in a way that wasn't possible before. She said another part of the remains are difficult to identify, even with today's technological capabilities, mostly because they were burned or crushed before recovery. Some are as small as a fingernail. Four other DNA profiles were also identified in the same batch as Livingston's, but they cannot be matched to a missing person because of a lack of reference samples from family members. Jellison, Latham, and Pranger encourage other families who had loved ones go missing from the 1980s to the mid-90s to provide samples, I'm assuming from that local-ish area. Quote, it'll keep your mind from wondering where your loved one really is. Instead, you'll have solid proof that they've been found. That's what I would want. All the remains are being preserved in a temperature-controlled, secure evidence room at the University of Indianapolis's Anthropology and Archaeology Department, where they have been for the past 27 years. Quote, this first identification is important. But what it taught us is that, we're do, that what we're doing is right, Jellison said. Now it's time to get our nose back to the grindstone because we know now that we can produce some results, end quote. Well, I am happy that that mother finally got some kind of closure, especially since she got cancer. God, I hope she can beat it. Our next article also was from October, but I found it important. And it's from NBCnews.com. Louisiana man accused of setting New Orleans house fire that killed his three kids, Nolens, New Orleans. The children's mother called 911 from work late Tuesday and said he was threatening to set the house on fire and to please hurry, audio played by local media shows. A Louisiana man is accused of setting a New Orleans home on fire and killing three children Tuesday. Joseph Washington, Sr., 29, was arrested in New Orleans a day after the fire that killed his three children, ages 8, 5, and 3, police said in a statement. Oh, horrible. Oh, my God. Burning children alive. Here we go. The children's mother called 911 at 11.55 p.m. and said that she was at work, but that their father was threatening to burn down their house, police said. Audio of the call, played by NBC affiliate WDSU of New Orleans, includes the mother telling a dispatcher that someone is on the phone threatening to set the house on fire and to please hurry. Moments after the 911 call, a fire was reported, police said. The 8-year-old and the 5-year-old were rescued but died at a hospital, and the 3-year-old was found dead in the burned home, police said. Oh, my God, that just grinds my gears, guys. Ugh. Ooh, children. Washington faces three counts each of second-degree murder and second-degree cruelty to a juvenile, as well as one count of aggravated arson. He was in custody Wednesday night, according to jail records. It is not immediately clear whether he had an attorney. He jumped from an overpass before he was arrested and was taken to a hospital for an evaluation of possible injuries, New Orleans police said. I'm not going to say, I don't want to say out loud how unfortunate he survived that, because that's really not very nice, is it? Edmund Kemper, the co-ed butcher. Oh, that's, (laughs) that's a whole nother thing that I'm researching. Okay, so our next article comes from penlive.com. Title reads, Central Pennsylvania Coroner Reveals New Details in Death of 11-Year-Old Boy. The 11-year-old boy who was shot and killed inside a York County home Sunday night died due to a self-inflicted gunshot wound, according to the county coroner's office. The coroner's office responded to the home on the first block of West Market Street in York around 10.15 p.m. and found the boy unresponsive with a gunshot wound to the head. He was pronounced dead inside the home at 11 p.m., according to the coroner's report. An autopsy, which listed the manner of death as suicide and the cause of death as a gunshot wound to the head, took place at Lehigh Valley Hospital 8 a.m. Wednesday, the coroner's office says. How old was he? He was 11 years old. I guess that would be old enough. Would it be accidental suicide, you think? I don't know. I guess I'll... Keep reading. The identity of the boy was released by the coroner's office, but Penlive is not including it in the story because of his age. Duh. Oh, that was the end of the article. 11 years old. Wow. Bless his heart. And the next article is a bit of trash media, right? Just for some fun. Comes from TMZ.com, so take it with a grain of salt. But I actually saw something about this on YouTube, so this chick's name stood out to me, which is why I saved the article, but I haven't read it. But it says, Janelle Evans, son, has no contact with her, and David, best he's been in a while. So this Janelle Evans um, was from that 16 impregnant pregnant MTV show, I believe, and I didn't really watch that show, but on a rare occasion it would be on for whatever reason, and I could just tell that she wasn't doing what she needed to do. Okay. Janelle Evans' teenage son, Jace, has been keeping his distance from his mom and her husband, David Eason, and we're told the kid's happier now than he's been in a long time. Sources with direct knowledge tell TMZ that 14-year-old Jace has zero contact with the teen mom star and David as he's been living with Janelle's mom, Barbara, while he remains under custody of Child Protective Services. Sources say Barbara also isn't in contact with Janelle or David. Now, Janelle's mother was raising him when he was little anyway, just FYI. TMZ broke the story. David was charged with child abuse in a case involving Jace, allegedly roughing up the teen and causing, quote, marks on the right arm and left and right side of the neck. According to court documents, holy shit. The docs also say Jace's injuries weren't sustained by accident, and the date of the alleged incident was the same day Jace slipped out his bedroom window and ran away from home. We're told Jace is glad to be back living with his grandmother, and the place feels like home to him. Janelle just regained custody of Jace earlier this year, so he's really spent most of his childhood in Barbara's care. See, that's what I was saying. He also recently enrolled in a brand new school after being out for the past few months. You'll recall, he was reported as a runaway after getting in trouble at school back in August. As for David, he's set to appear in court at the end of the month for the child abuse misdemeanor charges that were filed against him. Good. Marks, bruises, and shit around that kid's neck? Unacceptable. Completely unacceptable. So here's a bit of fun. I thought I would throw this one in. This is a bit of fun. I don't know what the whole article says, but it just kind of made me think. So anyway, this comes from kfilradio.com. The title reads, new 100 mile long hiking trail proposed for Southeast Minnesota. We have an amazing area in Southeast Minnesota called the Driftless Region. This area was left untouched by the last glacial period and therefore we have some incredible sites like our bluffs. And in this driftless region, there's a group of people who want to create a 100 mile long hiking trail for everyone to enjoy. So the reason why I kind of, the article's not very long, but the reason why I pulled this one out is because when I see things like that, oh, it's a brand new 100 mile long trail. To walk on, all I'm hearing is all of the new age Ted Bundys are just gonna be sitting there waiting for people. Am I right? I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. (laughs) So our next article comes from people.com, and the title reads Video shows Moment. Girl is found in small space inside closet in Arkansas, man arrested. John Thompson Thompson faces charges of child endangerment. Well, he just looks like a winner. Police in Arkansas have released body cam footage allegedly showing a five-year-old girl being rescued from deep inside a 40-year-old man's walk-in closet, according to reports. The child who authorities in Taunta Town, Arkansas, I've not heard of that one in Arkansas, it's just down there have not named, was allegedly in a secret small space covered by a board that was nailed to a wall in the home of the suspect, John Thompson, US Today, USA Today reports, citing Thompson's arrest report. Thompson allegedly initially said that the child was not with him when police arrived at his door to assist Arkansas Department of Human Services authorities to retrieve her, police said, according to 5 News. Police said officers were eventually let in and heard banging noises during their time at the location. After allowing them in, Thompson, quote, got down on his knees inside the closet, then moved around some boxes and pulled apart a board nailed to the wall to let the girl out from the space, the arrest report alleges. Body cam footage released by the police shows officers in the fully packed walk-in closet and a man in a baseball cap and overalls on the floor rummaging through some clothes. He is heard saying baby as he does so and a dog is heard barking in the background. Soon, the man brings out a child whose face is blurred in the video. Police at the scene are heard greeting the child with two officers saying, Hey, sweetie. Quote, she was very emotional when she came out and pretty scared, Detective Keith Lindley told USA Today. He had instructed her to not make a sound or reveal that she was back there, End quote. Well, good for her for beating on that shit anyway, right? Thompson faces charges of false imprisonment, child endangerment, and interfering with child custody, according to Kark, K-A-R-K. He was booked into the Washington County Detention Center on Friday and released on $5,000 bond bond two days later, according to KARK. He has pleaded guilty. $5,000 bond? Are you fucking kidding me? He had a child locked up in a little hole in the wall in his walk-in closet? $5,000 bond. Are you kidding me? It was not immediately clear if he has retained an attorney. Tontatown town authorities did not respond to people's requests for comments when contacted on Wednesday. Okay, so my question is if it says interfering with child custody, is this his child? It doesn't say because that's the end of the article. I'm I'm curious, so I'm also mad. All right, our next article comes from WCTI12.com News, ABC 12. Title reads, registered sex offender faces multiple charges, including statutory rape and incest. Duplin, Duplin County. A Duplin County man is facing multiple charges, including statutory rape of a child and incest. Police received a report on May 10th of this year regarding a registered sex offender having sexual contact with a young child. Imagine that! Joseph Harmon Sanderson, Jr., 34, of Duplin, Duplin County, was listed on the report as the offender. Police state the child disclosed several occurrences of different sexual contact with Sanderson. After the information was disclosed, communication was no longer permitted between the child and Sanderson. You think? As a result of the investigation, charges were filed on Sanderson by the Dublin County DA's office. On Wednesday, October 25th, Sanderson was arrested and taken into custody by police. Sanderson was charged with the following. Statutory rape of a child by an adult statutory sex offense with a child by adult incest and indecent liberties with a child does it say how old the child is in this i'm scrolling back up to see do 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 do. nope it does not say incest i wonder oh god please not i don't know sanderson was remanded to the Duplin County Jail under a $350,000 secured bond, including an additional $20,000 secured bond on probation violations. That is the end of that article. I, listen, I'm a very science-minded person, guys. You know that. Those of you who've been following me for a long time, you understand that. And I don't ever agree with the crimes that people commit that I cover obviously. But usually there's something going on that's not an excuse, but maybe a reason. But I just, it, it really clouds my judgment when it comes to kids. It is very, very hard for me to process that. Okay, so for our final article, this comes from insideedition.com title says teen blamed intruders after murdering his brother's wife and their two young children say prosecutors. Eric Sweeney, who was living with his brother at the time, told police that he had taken a shower and gone downstairs to his basement bedroom when, quote, he heard something break and a deep male voice yelling followed by multiple pops, end quote. The New Hampshire teenager, charged with murdering his brother's wife and their two young children, told police that the three were killed by a home intruder, according to prosecutors. A grand jury indicted Eric Sweeney on three counts of first-degree murder last month, choosing to charge the teen as an adult, despite the fact that he was only 16 when he allegedly committed those crimes. A 16-year-old knows that you're not supposed to shoot people. Him being tried as an adult seems rational to me. So details about what cops say happened that day are now finally being revealed in a motion for order of no bail, filed by prosecutors and obtained by Inside Edition Digital. Eric, who had been living with his older brother at the time of the murders, told police that he had taken a shower and gone downstairs to his basement bedroom when, quote, he heard something break and a deep male voice yelling, followed by multiple pops, according to the motion. He then told police that he waited a while before going upstairs, grabbed his sister-in-law's phone and keys, exited the residence, and drove off in a truck, according to the motion, so he didn't stop to check and make sure that she and the children were okay? Well, no, because he murdered them, but you get what I'm saying. At no point did he check, oh, here we go, at no point did he check on the well-being of his sister-in-law, Cassandra, 25, and his two young nephews, four-year-old Benjamin and 23-month-old, that's basically two-year-old Mason, according to the motion. Eric told police that he, quote, believed they were injured, but not, but did not call 911 or ask for help despite there being a large group of tree workers on his block that day. Instead, Eric called his brother Sean who had to place the 911 call himself according to the motion, telling the dispatcher, "Quote, I don't know. My brother told me someone broke in and killed them all." End quote prosecutors say in their motion that Eric then returned to the scene at the same time his brother arrived home. Police then sat down with Sean, who revealed he had two guns in the home, one of which was missing from the safe. That gun was recovered a week later on the side of the road and determined to be the weapon that fired the casings found near the bodies of the three victims, according to the affidavit. Oh, here we go. There had already been issues with Eric as well prior to the shooting, Sean told police. Quote, Sean told officers that there was growing tension in the family because of the defendant's behaviors to the point that the defendant would not listen to him and they were barely speaking to one another. He stated that he had installed a lock on the door to the master bedroom in order to keep the defendant out of the room, but that he didn't believe that Cassandra locked the door. Sean told investigators that he and Cassandra wanted the defendant out of their home and had been taking steps to remove him, End quote. Eric's claims of a home invasion were quickly debunked thanks to footage from a ring camera and interviews with the tree workers who had been on the street that day, with both showing no one else entered the house that morning according to the motion. Prosecutors allege that it was Eric who killed the three, and in their motion, share the heartbreaking final exchange between Cassandra and Sean. Minutes before she was shot dead, Cassandra sent Sean photos and videos of their two sons and wrote, quote, I hope they make you laugh. Oh, that is so sad. Eric has yet to enter a plea to the grand jury charges, and his lawyer did not respond to a request for comment. So they already knew he was trouble, right? And with that case, we actually get a little bit of insight, or at least through the article, because where are the parents? Okay, he's not living with his parents. So we don't know the story there. We have to, you know, make some guesses that either the parents are no longer living, although it didn't say that in the article, or that the parents had maybe kicked him out, or he left, whatever it was, he was living with his brother. Then he was causing problems there too. But no one really wants to think about the fact that their sibling, father, cousin, son, next-door neighbor is actually capable of murdering someone. That just doesn't really compute for a lot of people. I know that would be hard for me to believe, and i talk about this shit for a living, right? But anyway, obviously, he needs to plead guilty and just take his medicine, you know, take his lumps. So, sorry I was gone for a while, I just needed a mental break. I've been podcasting for about five years, and I just needed a little bit of a break because I only take a day off here and there, maybe a couple times a year. And I just kind of needed to unplug from death and dismemberment and child pedophile BS. You know what I'm saying? I just needed to unplug. But I'm also working on a website. I'm also writing a book. So busy, busy bee. But... I have seen all of your messages saying that you guys missed me, where are you, so on and so forth, and I really appreciate that. It makes me feel like you guys are really enjoying what I'm doing, so thank you so much for that. But that's it for the news, guys. It's Monday. My boss is back from her vacation, so (laughs) yay! I'm sure she's going to go through and find something wrong with every single thing I've done because she's been gone for a while. She hasn't been able to bully me for a week, right? So here we go. But hang in there. We're all in this together, okay? The economy's shit. We're at war, it seems like, all the time. It's just nonsense, but we have to keep our chin up. I'll try to keep you guys as entertained as I can so we can all get through this together, okay? Be nice to each other, all right? I love you guys. Bye.